Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Everything Related. I'm your host, Leslie Meyer. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has left feedback from the last episodes and just the podcast in general. Your feedbacks and your reviews are highly appreciated. Please continue to share, read, and leave your review, most especially on the Apple Podcast. Today's guest came as a surprise to me, learning through our conversation that she's a human rights lawyer during the day and a DJ on the weekend. Alex, who lives in Stockholm with her wonderful family, sits with me through this episode as we share our thoughts on parenting, the Cameroonian music industry, and answer questions such as what is life, love, and faith. She's what I will say in French, une boule d'énergie, and I'm grateful she responded. I hope you enjoy listening to Alex. welcome Alex how are you doing today I'm fine thank you thanks for the invite oh thank you for accepting me I I mean I shot my shot in your dms and here we are we have a relationship today we have to support each other in every way I know how's baby Naturi am I pronouncing her name right yeah Naturi oh okay is Alex is Alex your real name yeah Alex where is my real name oh wow first person to ask that <laughs> I, I mean it sounded so unique like well, i knew alex alex berry it felt more like a stage name but then i saw on the book cover nyame at the end like this is probably her name <laughs> yeah alex berry nyame is my full name nyame oh. is the name you know cameroonian uh-huh. so oh, you, you are bakosi for a second i thought it was a basa name no it's bakosi nyame Oh, okay. My mom is Bakosi as well. I'm Bakosi Basa. Yes. Oh, you see? Yes. <laughs> but she's such a cute baby. She's like, she's fine. She doesn't disturb. She yeah, she looks really calm. Like, it's yeah. videos of her on the gram. She looks really, really well. She's always smiling. <laughs> yeah, she's a happy baby. We're really blessed. To oh, be yeah, yeah. That's a good thing. How's the weather like today in Stockholm? Rainy. Rainy, rainy, rainy. Two weeks ago, we were complaining because it was so hot. Like, we had to have the doors open, the windows mm-hmm. open. Now, the weather is like, okay, since you guys are complaining, I'm going to rain. <laughs> well, it's, it's really, really hot here. Like, we're in the middle of summer. It's hot, and it's unfortunate that we cannot do anything because of this whole COVID-19. It's, it's tempting, right? It is. It's, we don't have lockdown. We can go anywhere we want. Oh, we haven't wow. since the pandemic started. They're just like, oh, think of each other. You know, Sweden in Sweden, we don't really like enforce things on people. It's more like they play on the moral rights. Like, think of the morals. Da, 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 and nobody cares. Oh, oh wow. like, But I'm, I've been careful because of the baby. And, you yeah. know, yeah. I would like you to introduce yourself to our audience. Oh, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is um, Alex Berry. Uh, 29 years old. Mom. DJ, human rights activist, writer, <laughs> living in Sweden with my wonderful little family. Yeah. Okay. So what was it like growing up? Because I believe that a lot of our characters are forged when we are younger kids. And so there's a lot of inner child in you as an adult. For me, for example, I've had like a lot of my childhood memories come up a little 
very awful and some some of sometimes my childhood traumas as well so i've been dealing with a little bit of like my childhood since then and just usually curious about everybody's childhood so what was yours like my childhood was very i won't say unique it was it was a mixture of like the have the good and the bad like i had my mom I grew up with my mom. My dad has always been in Europe. And my mom, who was a very young mom, she did her best to take care of me. But, you know, things don't always go the way you want. So I was sent to my aunt, who didn't do so much best to take care of me. That's, where my, that's really when my child started. I was sent to my aunt at the age of six. Mm-hmm. And it was you not know, the typical Cinderella story where you are somebody else's child. You get beat, you get maltreated, you know and so but yeah and then at the age of 12 i moved to sweden to be with my dad and things became happy again so from 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 zero to six i was a very happy child i was with my mom from six to 12 i had a very rough upbringing like i had a really rough childhood and then i came to sweden and things got better with my dad oh okay so um how's your relationship with your dad now my relationship is good with my dad. My dad is like my best friend. I have so my dad and, her have, and I have such similar characters. Mm-hmm. So we just like choose to accept each other for what we are and just be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> because my dad is really stubborn and I'm really stubborn. And when he, whenever he wants to say something, I just like I took it from you. <laughs> <laughs> they always say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree so my dad and i are really close like my dad respects me as an adult and you know you know like we, when you grow up in 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 um in africa with the relationship between us and our parents is not so common i don't know about now because i haven't been there for a long time mm-hmm. but the very strict relationship between parents and kids that's how mm-hmm. i learned growing up like i'm the mom or the dad and you are the child whatever i it goes you understand right that, that is not how it, it, it is between like my mom is still in africa she grew up in cameroon maybe my mom and her like best friend when i call my mom we can talk and we can laugh it's like she's talking to an adult you know she's like she gives me that respect as an adult and she also understands that i grew up in a different environment and she too has to adapt to that personality so yeah my relationship with my dad is it's good it was a bit tough in the beginning but it's good now <laughs> yes and um, i mean you're talking about the whole a child always remaining in the place of a child and an adult i think it's something very common it's still the same thing honestly and really i it, thought we might even evolve the bit <laughs> i mean i think that at a certain point parents begin to understand like you said that you're an adult and so they give you that respect but sometimes you have to seize that right if you don't <laughs> if you don't if you don't make your place you always remain that place as a child so you sometimes it, it goes through rough patches they'll call you a rebel child but such is life <laughs> you have to grow up so can you remember um the period you left cameroon exactly i mean you were 12 what was it like how did they tell you were leaving were you excited so I, I was i was 12 and like i said i was living with my auntie so life was really difficult i don't like to call people wicked but she was a very wicked woman a very very wicked woman <laughs> it's like i was um, you know when some when something just makes you unhappy i think i was a, her unhappiness <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so when I heard that I was going to come to Europe, I was so happy. And then you know this illusion that we have of white man country. I don't know yes. if you know that. <laughs> like this illusion. So my hotel was like, I'm gonna go to white man country. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm gonna go to this wow place. This place I've been seeing on TV. TV. This place I've heard of. This place that everybody talks about. It's everybody's dream. I don't know about you, but growing up, a white man country is everybody's dream. Yes. Like people, anything. <laughs> white man country so for me that was oh my god oh my god oh my god i can't wait and 
I wasn't really prepared, but I was happy when I heard it because they just told me like two months before and then boom, mm. I was on the plane. <laughs> going to, so oh. they kind of auditioned for me. <laughs> oh, and then what was it like, you know, after not seeing your dad for what, over 12 years and meeting him for the first time? How, how was it? It was weird. It was so weird because I <laughs> I my dad before. He came to Cameroon for a brief period of time, like six months. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever met my dad. I was six oh, years wow. old. He came to Cameroon and they're like, this is your... you know how us Africans are? This is your father. Okay. If he's my father, he's my father. And then like six months later, my dad went back to Sweden and I didn't see him for another six years. So when I met him, it was it was a really weird feeling. It was a strange because I was basically meeting a stranger, a teenager meeting a stranger. Oh yes, so it was really weird. That's why I say like the first few years were weird between us. It was like we're trying to adapt to each other, getting to know each other. Yeah. Uh, uh, how was it? Like, how did that you know develop some sort of your personality, or how did you sort of make that effort to find a bridge in communicating? It was really hard for me because in Cameroon, you know, like women talk to women about women's stuff. Men talk to men about men's stuff. It's not now I can talk to my dad about anything. I can be like, oh, leave me alone. I'm on my period. I don't want to talk. You know, like, but before it was not like that. So it was really hard for me because I was living with him. It was just the two of us. And I was also going through changes. I just turned 12 and I'm going to be, I was coming into the teenage life. You know, like your body yes, changing. Your body is like, changing. And it was so weird because in Cameroon, you go to your mom or your auntie or your sister for stuff like that. So it was really hard for me to like be able to go to my dad. But also I could see that he was making an effort, you know, I feel bad for him. It was his first child, a a girl, and we were just meeting each other for the first time. Now he has to become the dad and the mom. Oh, yes. yes. (laughs) Becoming a teenager. So I think we had to give each other understanding. Mm. Well, that's that's nice and i mean you're an international dj but you also hold a master's in journalism and human rights law when i saw your profile i was like wait, 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 what is happening here i don't know if i should start talking about music or about but let's start with education any, any. <laughs> let's start with education so how did you choose law the thing is, I, school has been something that I was always good at. When they ask me, what are you good at? I'm like, school? <laughs> I don't know why. I've always been one of those kids who like to study. Thank you. Like, I, was, I think that's, I was also about to say the same thing that um, I think I'll go towards academics because I feel more at ease there because I'm... That's what you're good at. I'm, that's what I'm good at. Honestly, I'll cry and I'll tell you that school is horrible, but I'm the next person picking my book the next minute exactly. doing research and everything. <laughs> I don't know why that surprises people. Like, of course, not everybody's going to like school. It's not like I liked school, but I was good at it. And I did what I needed to do to secure mm-hmm. myself a good future, to secure yeah. a good future for my mom, to secure a good future for my siblings. You know, the first child and your parents, are, your mom is still in Cameroon. My little brothers are still in Cameroon. So I, I knew that I had that responsibility. And then I mm. come to this where studying is free, you know, it's free to study. So why not? <laughs> and also journalism. I love to write, like writing mm-hmm. at open. My passion and then I told my dad I'm like I love to write what can I do like that's what I'm really good at and he's like okay you can do your writing on the side and why you can take like a subject that is gonna make you write but it's gonna bring you an income mm. which is why because journalism when I was doing my my bachelor okay. and then when I was done I'm like okay I like I like law I like rules I like you know so what can I do 
to combine it further. And then my dad has always wanted me to do law. So when I said, <laughs> I'm going to do human rights law, he's like, yes, there's something. So I come human rights law. And also the reason why I wanted to do human rights law is because like I've, I realized that rights is something that we don't know a lot from where mm-hmm. I come from. Yes. Children don't know rights. Women, especially this, the weaker group, children and women. Mm-hmm. Like when I was growing up and the way I was being mistreated, if I knew my rights, I'm sure I would have been able to get myself out of there yeah. somehow. And I understand that there are children who are going through worse than what I'm going through. So that just like encouraged me to want to go into that, mm-hmm. into like learning like human rights law. Like what is your right? If your husband is beating you, what can you do to get out of there in a safe way? Like if the police is not on your side, what, where else can you turn and stuff like that? Mm. I like the fact that you spoke about, I like the fact that you spoke about the fact that your dad was, you know, allowed you. Many people do not have that freedom where a parent, in, in Cameroon, in Africa, most of the time, like they choose their careers for us where a parent is able to understand that, oh, you can freely do this without, and I think that it is very, well, yeah, choice. <laughs> you don't have a choice. They just, you're either going to be a doctor or an engineer. If you don't like it, you know, they won't pay the school fees, but I, that's one of the things that I'm grateful for as well with my parents. I've never been forced exactly to do what I don't want. It, I mean, sometimes you get into disagreements where I don't think that this thing is right for me. You think that this thing is right for me, but it's never, you must do it. And, and I think that it's important in parenting because when you allow room for a child to make the decision, you give them some sort of responsibility knowing that whatever mistake you're going to, it's going to be on you and you're also allowing them freedom you know to think and do their research so yeah that's one thing that i like i would say like yeah. you have only one life on this earth and some somebody else should not control what you want to do without life i'm not saying that as a child we can i'm just saying when the child reaches a certain age that's what I, that's why i love my partner so much like we think the same way mm-hmm. when our child reaches a certain age, you have to explore that child and eventually advise but don't force that child i can only advise my child that okay you want to do this but it might not work because of this and this know that you must do this you must do that that's exactly. not my child. my child has to have the chance to live that her one life that she have on this earth mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. And the difference between you and I is you came really young at 12. So, I mean, in a certain way, your your dad still had a sort of control over you. But sometimes many of us who come here as adults, and I've had conversations with, you know, other friends as well, who are almost in the same situation where you come here, family sort of wants to impose what you should do with your life. Like, you you already have an idea of what you want to do but because you are in a foreign country and you're here for the first time it's like it's either you do this you succeed or if you don't do this you're not succeed and then like why are you putting me in this box because at the end of the day i have a vision of how i want my life to be no matter what society says it is my life and i'm the one who sort of makes those rules so if it doesn't work, it's still okay, honestly, because I feel like we we sort of um, put a negative energy when it concerns failure that some people are even scared of failing. I think like failure is necessary so that you, if I don't make it out of this day, like, even if it's bad, it's not going to be bad, bad, bad. I'm still going to pick up myself because it's not like I'm a lazy person by character. So we'll still find a way to make a way of it. But instilling that fear in a person where, you know, it's like, if you don't do this, you know, it's not going to work out. I don't think it's fair. But let's transition now to music. Yes. How did you 
discover what was the kind of music you listened to growing up i was such a confused child when i came to switch to be honest because you're in this new environment everything is different everything is so like the access to certain things are much easier when i came to sweden i was like the only black kid in school like mm. seriously i lived in a, we lived in a small city like this small like it's called strangness and i was the only black kid in school so you can imagine mm. what who was listening to their listen to like this i'm sorry but white music mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you want to feed in not that i did things against my will but you're like okay, this is what people are listening to so that's what i'm gonna listen to so it was so weird from like seventh grade to ninth grade i was listening to a lot of like swedish music a lot of hard rock a lot mm. of metal. i was having these t-shirts oh i'll never do that today <laughs> <laughs> i was having these t-shirts and then i went to high school in another city mm-hmm. where it's a bit bigger and i had black fr- i could like see i had black friends I other type of stuff i saw people that looked like me and then i could enjoy the stuff that they enjoy like free willingly like when mm-hmm. i heard like i was listening to r&b it was sweet to my ears it's not like i have to accept it yeah i love hearing it, it was sweet to my ears when i hear like hip-hop it was sweet to my ears you know so it was so much different uh-huh. so if you from high school upwards i still listen to more like the ethnic music mm. And that was like, you know, hip hop, R&B. And then like when I came to, I moved to the, I moved to Stockholm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was just studying, studying. I was not one of those who took breaks. Oh. After university and I moved to Stockholm. And then that's when like I started exploring my adulthood. You know, I really met black, black, black. <laughs> <laughs> like big city black friends. And I started like, I was, um, I saw this, I was, I think I was bored one summer and I saw this advertisement for Miss Africa International Sweden, it's a pageant. Yes. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why not? So I, I put up my name to represent Cameroon and that's where I had the opportunity to make even more black friends because everybody mm. was, girls were black from different mm-hmm. countries in Sweden and it was just amazing and I still listening to like dance hall, Afrobeat, I was like a hardcore dance hall fan. Like, <laughs> You know, like when you're just you're just going to like, yeah. like different phases of your life. <laughs> like the things I was doing was just different. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like the club life. You know? Yes. Yeah, and then my uncle is a DJ. Like that's how I like I love music. I was doing I was teaching dancing to kids who can afford to like um, pay mm-hmm. for activities. So I was teaching dancing to those kids here in Sweden. I was like, why not? Instead of them being on the streets, why not? like do something and mm-hmm. and i'll be surprised i was thinking okay maybe one two three kids will come we had like 20 kids oh wow like, like a lot of kids to, in the area where i was living as a student didn't have anything to do because their parents can't afford it mm-hmm. and then okay how do i how do i combine music like i love music i love dancing and i couldn't do the dancing anymore because you know you get you grow older you get more responsibilities <laughs> you have to put you have to work but how do i continue like my love for music and my uncle is a dj he's like why don't you dj oh wow <laughs> your family is really very supportive especially and that was that's how i was about to ask like how did your family take that transition into djing like, not everybody is going to uh, first of all it's a very male dominated mm-hmm. field but- 
think for me it's a hobby like I have my job I work with like a human rights projects mm-hmm. on the weekends I DJ so it's not like my is it a full-time job no, oh, no, no. Well, no, it's not something that it. I want to do full-time it's too it's like it takes so much energy you know mm-hmm. so it's like just a way to like uh, like have my ho- like have my what I want to do in life and still have my hobby and enjoy yeah. myself so almost sort of finding a balance. Mm. So uh, my uncle, why don't you DJ? I, I can teach you like the basics and then uh-huh. like, and I'm the kind of person, if I put my mind on something, I know it doesn't come easily. So I work for it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's nice. And you spoke about being the only black kid in school. Were you picked on? They tried. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, I, I can just imagine you like, if you try me, you're just about to see my Africa. <laughs> they tried and I stopped it. I always told myself in life, like I suffered too much when I was living with my auntie. I'm never going to let somebody else bring me down. Mm, so I, like- tried, I stopped it really quick. I can just tell you that. Mm. <laughs> because I didn't know the word nigger when I came to, to I didn't know the word, you know, in Cameroon when we were growing up, did you know the word nigger? I didn't no, know that of word. Of course not. Like, we're just I didn't blacks. know the word. We don't even know that the color of her skin is even so much of a thing. You so come when I came here and somebody caught that, I was so confused. I was like, what does that mean? I wasn't even offended because I didn't know what it meant. And then I went home and I asked my dad, like, this person keeps calling me this every time they see me. Is that a, a nickname for something? Is that my dad is like, no, that is really racist. And I started like research. I went and researched it on the internet. You know, internet was a bit more of an easier access then. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. And the thing is, it's a different language. I just came to Sweden. I was still learning the language. And he said it in Swedish. And I only know how to say poop in Swedish. So when he called <laughs> me, he got poop to the person. I didn't really know. <laughs> what else to say so yeah that was the first time i ever heard that word oh okay so with, who are some of your favorite artists at the moment hmm. i really like like old school artists like it depends on what music genre you want i have favorite artists in every genre <laughs> yeah i feel you like if <laughs> <That's great. laughs> my boyfriend says it's called genre i say it in swedish <laughs> <laughs> i mean i call it everything it's like genre genre yeah, <laughs> I always say it in, in Swedish, we say genre, genre, I don't know how to say it in English. <laughs> so it depends on which, like, where you're asking. Like, right now, you know, like, in Afrobeat, Burner Boy is really big. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right I really love his music. It's mellow. He has that touch of, like, old school Afrobeat, mm-hmm. like, new school meet each other. So that's why I really love his music right now. And then you have, like, like and then when it comes to, like, R&B and hip-hop, I still listen to really old school of that. Like, I barely play new school stuff because I think it's just shit. I'm sorry. It's, like, mumbling shit that I don't really understand. So you're really, like, a 90s kid. I am really, like, I'm a huge 90s kid. Like, my partner and I, we, like, we are the kind of people who just sit and listen to it's 90s music. All day. I, I mean, talking about music right now, I have a hard time honestly really understanding and i think that's why it's so short term and so short lived because one moment this thing is out you know then like there's no musicality when it comes to music the the production there's no there's no art in it it feels like people are just brushing over projects like what is if anybody tells me what is the song at the moment i would not even know because i was even actually about to ask you but many a times i'm unable to recognize the people playing like who is that like you don't know who that is i'm like i'm sorry i don't know who that is but as a dj i have to listen to some crap music just for the for the sake of it but i'll write them out (laughs) 
but sometimes I have to sacrifice my sanity just for the sake to give the crowd what they want because that's what DJing is all about. Like you have to give the crowd what they want, you know. Mm. Can you remember your first gig on DJing? Yes. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> it was actually really good. My first I I think I practiced for like two months. Oh wow. Yeah, no, I'm, I practice every day for hours. I pra- Because I was like, okay, I have to invest in this. I bought a machine already. Before my uncle even taught me the basics, I already bought a machine and everything. Oh, wow. the, like, you have to invest when you want to do something. Mm-hmm. It's important. So I think my first gig was even in another city. It was this male friend who, like, was the resident DJ in a, in a club. And mm-hmm. he told me, like, come, yeah, okay, come, just come, but be good <laughs> so i came that it was really nice to me you know i played i was so nervous and my friends were so cute they came to support me they went with me and they were like screaming you know africans oh my God, yeah, yeah. so when i play so they're like ah! it's not, it doesn't even have a good sound they're just screaming over there making me so nervous <laughs> i know like that's it i think that's that's the difference between you know africans and the people who live here because we have so much solidarity honestly mm-hmm. it, mm. i've had a hard time living here for about a year and i swear to god i don't even know my neighbors in the very <laughs> very the western world everybody for themselves everybody from there so like how do you people live like this like i I'll literally almost have a breakdown like it doesn't mm. make sense that you know depression like is this. very common here because of that people can die in their house and you don't know i'm lucky because i have african neighbors who like i got to know if they don't before my my partner and i moved together you know i was living alone if they don't see me in two weeks they come and like knock my door to ask if i'm alive you know but it's because i have african neighbors i've also had swedish neighbors who are like no they don't you don't even say hi to each other you don't even look at each other in the elevator you're like just eyes mm-hmm. down anyways for me i feel like that's a miserable way to live i cannot live like that i i went to on even if i don't like like i'm i always describe myself as a people's person without being a people's person because i like people but then i like my space but it's i went to a boarding school i've been there i've always been surrounded by people i went to a boarding school for seven years of my life so there's no way i cannot live in the community no matter what but it's usually a struggle here. I don't know how these people do it, but shout out to them anyways. <laughs> no, but that's how you grow up. Like I also got, I, you're forced to get used to it because mm-hmm. people doesn't want you in their private life. You can't force it. You understand what I mean? If they never don't want to say hi, you can't, you, you leave them alone. Mm-hmm. So you ever get used to it. But that's why I also say the rate of depression is so high in this country because People are alone. When they don't feel well, they can't tell the other person that they don't feel well. But when we in Africa, we are so used to having this like community life where the, the, it takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, together, you go to your neighbor and ask for salt. When I came to Sweden, you're going to laugh at this. I met this girl, we're neighbor. She's white and I'm black. And her name is Alex and my name is Alex. So when we first met each other, I was like, she's like, hi, oh my God, I saw you in school. I'm like, yeah, she's like, my name is Alex. I'm like, okay, Alex. She's like, no, Alex. I'm like, yes, Alex. She's like, no, I'm like, I'm like, yes, I know your name is Alex, but my name is <laughs> So she thought I was saying her name wrong. <laughs> she was introducing herself and I was introducing myself. So, because my name is Alex and my name is Alex. She uh-huh. thought I was a name wrong oh my god <laughs> i think i was gonna make pancake and there was no egg so i went to her house and i ring the bell and i asked for eggs and it was weird to her because she looked at me first before she said okay and she gave me the egg 
And then my dad came home. He's like, oh, you already made the pancakes. I'm like, yeah. He's like, where did you get money to get egg? I'm like, no, I went to Alex's house and asked for egg. My dad said, you don't do that here. <laughs> he's like, in Sweden, we don't do that. I'm like, why? It's just eggs. She can come get salt or something. He's like, no. And I said, no, in Sweden, we don't do that. <laughs> I was so confused. For me, it's just egg because in Cameroon, I'll just go to my neighbor's house and exactly. ask for egg. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, but you talking about the whole mental health, even though they are by themselves and people don't express themselves, I feel like because we live so much in the community, we oh. always assume everything is fine. So it's still very common in our African community. Like oh. A stigma when it concerns uh, mental health because we have this assumption that because we live in a community, you have a people, you have people supporting you, then everything is meant to be fine. But you know, we're still going through those conversations. I hope that we can break it because just like you said, um, there are people out there who don't even know that they need help. Like people don't realize it when you are talking about your human rights thing. That's what came to my mind. I'm just thinking about the fact that because some people are not educated, they do not even recognize that, you know, their life is worth something. They don't know their right because they don't have access to that information so i feel like it's a duty you know to fight for this right and it's i, I think like it's the whole concept as well with feminism like feminism is not like man hate we're not saying that we're better than men like all of it it's just that we're saying that we are raising our voices for those people it's the same thing when you talk about the me too movement you're identifying with people who have been abused sexually so each time we find ourselves in a certain sort of category, I feel like you're just speaking up for those people because at the end of the day, it's privilege. What you and I have here is privilege. It's not that we are, you know, too special, we are too lucky, we're too smart. It's just privilege. It could still be another person sitting in this chair and I'm somewhere back in, you know, yeah. a village in Cameroon. So I've learned how to recognize my privilege. Like everything, I don't take anything for granted. Something as simple as even living here, I'm not taking it for granted. I'm like, okay, I'm in a land where, you know, there are a lot of resources. What can I do about it? How can I exploit exactly. it? You know, not to not just to make myself better, but you know, to make my society better as well. I think no matter like no matter what you support, there's going to be a stereotype about that ideology. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like you say feminism is not man hate. The the idea of man hate when connected to feminism is a, is a stereotype. Mm-hmm. And the idea of oh all life matters connected to black life matter is stereotypes. People don't want to see beyond what we're really talking about. When we're talking about feminism, we're not gonna say, Oh, the man has his place here, the woman should have no, we're just saying that the woman is a bit lower on this area and we need to uplift her so she understands her worth. A woman should not be home being beaten and not know that she can live. You have, like I say, you have one life. If somebody slaps me, I'm running. Like I'm not gonna stay there. Because you can kill me the next time. You understand? That's the kind mm-hmm. of... For example, in Cameroon, one thing that I want to read, that's why, like, human rights is so important to me. So many girls are being killed in marriages because they cannot go back home. Why? Because their parents have eaten millions of francs in the in, in, in diary. So when they go back home, instead of the parents encouraging them, like, yeah, stay here. Don't go and risk your life. They're thinking, how are we going to pay back the diary? So go to your husband. Go to your husband. Boom. The next time she comes back home, it's in a casket. 
I know. And it's this whole thing of, I think that as human beings, we place like so much value on things and we forget that we have, you're just talking about this whole diary thing. I mean, for me, I don't, I don't mind doing a traditional wedding, but it's not in the context of, I think for me, it's more of an exploitation of culture. If I have to do that, I'll have to do my research because honestly, Alex, like, I'm one of those persons that if I want to do something, I'm asking question, what is it about it? I want to know everything. I want to know what it's thing I'm getting myself in. I don't go with the flow. Honestly, I don't know. I'm not spontaneous by character. I'm not the one friend that you think that, oh, no, 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 no let's go and try it. <laughs> like me. I don't, even like, I don't even like surprise parties. I like to have control. <laughs> I, I, I don't, yeah, I like to have, that. that's the word. Exactly. And it's frustrating when you, when you're that kind of person that wants control, you're, you're constantly overthinking. So it's like, how can I do to make myself best? Like, how can I do to make myself better? And you're constantly put, but I'm not spontaneous. That thing that people just go with the flow. It's not, I'm sorry. It's not in my vocabulary. I'm not one of the people that say, oh no, let's go on. Nah, I need to know the risk. I need to know what I'm getting. I feel like that's how I treat everything in life from my work to even out there something as friendship relationship is like what I'm bring I know I'm bringing something to this table. What are you bringing to this table? Thank you. Thank you. Because like, if you have one life to live. You don't want to wake up in five years and realize that person taught you nothing. Exactly. And you wasted five years in a friendship or in a relationship. relationship. And my only problem about like i don't have a problem with with culture but the thing is the problem what is problematic with culture is that some culture don't want to evolve with time mm. and it just make them backdated that's me and my dad we actually had this, this conversation i'm like we ain't coming with no diary if we pay you diary what is our daughter gonna eat if we pay diary, what you name you have to think that okay these two million that you're asking for they could use it to build a house and start a life with their kids and so you understand what i mean so the thing about culture that scares me is that, yes, I respect it. If you want to do your culture, I'll respect that. But a lot of cultures don't evolve with time. Not, time hasn't stand still. I know. And, you know, this whole thing of diary and monetizing, I think it's really out of sight because the whole thing is to celebrate a culture. We want to dance. We want to know, you know, our cultural values and everything. When you put, I've seen ridiculous diary lists and I'm asking myself that, you are putting this human being's pressure and you're missing out the point of, you know, something as simple as even educating, you know, the, the couple together. What are you put financial background? For example, for me right now, I'm big on finances. Uh, yeah. Why are we starting off from even a look? I feel like I'm one of those people. If I have to get married tomorrow, I'll just wake up and go and sign in court. If I'm doing anything, it's going to be for family because I'll just, you know, want to please them a little bit but i'm also stubborn to the point where i can say that i don't want anything and i stand my feet on the ground and i said i'm not doing anything thank you stand <laughs> your ground my family knows that i'm crazy like that I'm like okay, well if people want to do it are you paying for it because i'm exactly. not going to pay for it it's important, it's important to, like i said don't, i'm not saying disrespect anybody yes 
I'm not gonna fall into your ideology if it doesn't fit me. me I'm not gonna definitely. do that. As long as I'm not disrespecting you, but you have to respect me. You cannot force something on me, and I'm definitely not gonna force something on you. Why will you come and be stressing my fiance uh, to be paying you this and this and this? I beg, leave the boy alone. Don't stress people. <laughs> and 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 I don't even think that many people realize that we still marry this day for love, but there's also the sense that. As time is changing, culture is changing, you know, there's feminism. Now, you cannot put the, the whole um, role of one person. Things are getting, like, way expensive. Look at the economy. So it's not even just about you being with somebody that you love. It's also being with somebody that you can support and that can support you as well. What if something happens to you, are they going to be able to support you? Exactly. Like, if you're having two streams of income, that's a big deal. If now there's one stream of income, it becomes a huge handicap. And, you know, that's where, you know... Um, pressure starts getting in people start you know having issues and you feel like another person doesn't love you it's that another per- one person is feeling overwhelmed by another person paid millions on you <laughs> exactly because society has defined that oh no if it's not he's not man enough I'm like um enough with that bullshit like uh, really if enough you is man enough for me oh yeah let's just continue going <laughs> he's not marrying you he's marrying the me he's not making a family with you he's making a family with me that's what i always tell my family the person is not here for you he's here for me so whether you like it or not as long as they are not disrespecting you and you're not disrespecting us we are fine me, exactly People always say blood is thicker than water, but blood, the family can also be the stress and death of you. So you have to really think, uh, how do you say, like you have to think in a good way. Like I'm very selfish when it comes to my life. I want me a peaceful life. If you don't bring, I'm very selfish like that. If you don't bring me peace, I don't care if you're my mother, you're my father, you're out. And, 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 and I relate to you there, especially because for me, I've always been, I'll not really say like the perfect daughter but i'm one of those people who have had you know like an easy transition in life where if your parent tells you do something you do something i don't know i had like a whole snap when i was moving here because um i came here through the dv lottery so i won the u.s lottery really? yes. <laughs> thank you and so it was okay my life was automatically changing because i had a five-year plan when i was in Cameroon. like if I'm moving here, my plans with Cameroon doesn't fit here. So how am I going to do I needed to think. Honestly, I'll tell you that. Those were my words. I was really upset. <laughs> I have to change my mindset in a way that it fits for the next five years. So I had to do a lot of unlearning. What am I going to be doing for the next five years? Like, what am I, how am I going to work on myself? How am I going to work on my projects? What am I going to do with school? Do I want to continue with school? Like, what is it that it is important for me? Because when you're going through life, time goes by fast. And by the time you want to realize, like, there's another decade. What have you done with the 10 decades that were before? So, you know, preparing yourself for that mindset, the those were one of the things that were really important for me. And I feel like that's how I tried to navigate my life as well. Like both my personal and professional life. Like how can I add value? And it's not even more like what is it the other person bringing back? Like I'm doing this thing not necessarily for the other person because it also makes me feel good. So it's not like I'm trying to please you. Yeah, I'm doing what I know that is right, you know, by oh. me. Yeah. I wanted us to talk a bit about your book. So what is it all about? First of all, the, the title, I don't read Swedish, so I did not even understand. 
okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's not expected. <laughs> okay, so what can I say about the book? The book is in Swedish right now because mm -hmm. the, the, the publishing company that showed interest was a Swedish publishing company. And they also told me that, you know, like literature is very huge in Sweden. It's something that like, you really don't know if you don't do a research about it. I didn't know about that. Yeah, but you know, like the, the literature is very, very huge in Sweden. Like if you, they told me that if you put out a book in Sweden, it's easier to get like English publishers to look at your book and stuff. So we are mm -hmm. working on getting the book out in English so you can actually reach the targeted audience that I really want it to reach. So the book is called Sprickan Drömen om Europa. But you know, in Sweden, if I do a direct translation, that's not what it's going to be called in English. <laughs> except the spriggan is like crack when something is cracked and then it's like you could say oh crack the the european dream like really like chatter to european dream oh. like shatter. yeah so and the book is actually based from after i did my master's thesis so it's based off interviews that i did with like unaccompanied refugee kids do you know like unaccompanied refugee kids are kids that have come to sweden alone mm -hmm. like like through like different harsh conditions but they don't have mm -hmm. any adult with them so they are called unaccompanied refugee kids. Mm. Like an, in a lot of interviews with them to just know about their life, their journey. And from that, I was like, oh, I need to write a story about this. I have to write a story that is like, it's imaginative, but it's also facts. Mm -hmm. You understand? Imaginary story based on fact. Yeah. That's so it's it. almost like a combination of fiction and non-fiction. Like, it's yeah, really... Exactly. Like, it's but, somebody's people's lives that I've made into like something fiction mm -hmm. so I wanted like what's the best way to teach people something in storytelling nobody wants to reach fact like like in 1990 this this happened yeah. I'm not much <laughs> quite interested so like the book is about you get to meet like my my head character her name is Adama so Adama's life you 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 like meet two sides of Adama's life her life in Nigeria where she's a 12 year old young girl gets sold by her parents and to an old man you know and then you get to follow her life, how she tried to escape this life. And then you meet her, how she escaped and eventually ended up in Sweden. And what I wanted to show is that when you come to, to White Mount Country, everything is not gold like you think. You have to go through process. And sometimes the process can, will not end up the way you want it to. Adama came to Sweden thinking that, oh, she's just going to stay. They're going to give her money. They're going to give her apartment. It's, oh, it's, you know, White Mount Country. But it's not like that. She has to go through a process. She has to wait for it. For, she has to apply for an asylum. She has to wait for an answer. She might get an asylum. She might not get an asylum. So you need to you follow her thoughts and the stress and the depression of that process. And then like, what happened after if things don't go your way? You know, what happened if you don't get to stay? What happened if you, they say, no, they're sending you back to Africa and stuff like that. So that's what really the book is about. Oh, so what was it like working with those kids? It was really, it was hard. It was actually really hard um, because I interviewed those kids for my studies and then I worked with an accompanying kids too. Mm -hmm. Like my first two years, my first job after my studies, uh, after I took my, uh, I graduated with my master's, my first job was working with an accompanying refugee kids, trying to get them to learn how the society works, helping them with their cases and so, so on, so on. You're like a mom, dad, psychologist, everything to them. Mm -hmm. And it was actually really hard because you could see the, like the trauma in some of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them are through so much traumatic. Some of them were just like shut down. Like they no, there are some days where they don't even talk to you. They don't want you to talk to them. You don't know what's going on in their head. And there are some days where some of them were like threatening to kill themselves. Yeah, it, it, it's really like it was hard. Mm -hmm. It was hard. Um, were there days where you 
go home and you know just break down because i mean that's an intense thing to see i feel like their innocence have been stripped away for them and their lives are never going to be the same because that's a trauma there are some who might find themselves in a position where they'll be able to heal but not completely heal their mar- their lives have been marked forever where they may be able to you know, get help, a counselor or something, but there are people whose lives are going to be transformed. And now, you know, you have a little kid. They, when you think about those things and you come back home, it's just like, how do you feel sometimes? The, the ones that I work with were not like really young. They were like from the age of, they were at the age of like 12 to 17. So they were a bit older, but it is a bit traumatic because imagine me who went through stuff in Cameroon and I still have that <coughs> following there are days where I sit and I just shake, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that just that happened to me. You understand? It's yeah. not gone away after like so many years. So I can only imagine how they are feeling. And also, I also have the privilege that I came here through my dad and I can stay here. The kids I was working with, they were still waiting to know if they get to stay in Sweden or not. Oh, wow. So they were going through the asylum process. So you can imagine the stress mm. they were going through. So of course, when I came home, it was a bit like, there were days that I felt a bit overwhelmed but mm-hmm. then again i had to teach myself not to bring work at home or i'll mm-hmm. go crazy <laughs> and, and this kid what is how do they come there for us yeah most people i know they get through the borders there are people who travel by road so is that how some of them come a lot of them like true boat true road like you know like the most dangerous way of getting here many of them came that way and then some of them maybe landed in like let's say for example they landed in Morocco or they landed in Greece and then they found a way to run and get to Sweden instead and stuff like that and uh, there are also you know there are so many laws when it comes to this so many laws I don't know if we have the I've forgotten the name of this law that says that if you land in one country and you come to another the country that you first landed in is the country that is supposed to go through your case Hmm. the Dublin the Dublin um, in Swedish we say Dublin for ordering Mm -hmm. Dublin law. So if you land in Greece and your fingerprint is taken in Greece and you you come to Sweden, they'll send you back to Greece mm. because it's Greece that is supposed to take care of your case. Mm. <laughs> it's just all those stress. <laughs> yeah, we even had like we had one kid that got denied <clears throat> and was one of my kids because you get kids that you take care of. You you write about their process, how they are growing and stuff like that. And he got denied and I had to tell him that he's been denied and he has to move. And he got so mad that he started chasing us with a knife. Oh, wow. Uh, but then you understand that that person is just stressed. They just, they just told that person that you're going back. You're not going What is the immigration process like? Is it really tough here? I mean, I don't know if you keep up with the news here. Right now, Trump is saying that, you know, international, well, not Trump per se, but the U.S. government, the IC, is saying that international students who will not be taking classes in person will have to move back to the country, to their respective countries and it's funny because when you look at the annual budget of uh, when it comes to academics here about i don't know if my statistics are right but almost about 50 let's just say 47 to 60 percent of it is brought in by international students and now when a government like that says this kind of thing, I mean, I'm wondering what the cost of education is going to be. Let's say it has to happen because they are taking online. It's not going to be as expensive as before, but how is it like in, in Sweden? What's the immigration process like? 
professor right i can't even comment on america you're just going to hell over there <laughs> i feel so bad for you guys <laughs> i don't know what i would do if i lived in that country <laughs> but uh in Sweden, for example, Sweden doesn't, they haven't said the same thing. It doesn't matter. Uh, in Sweden, for example, school is free. Mm. I don't know how it is. Is it free in America? Oh, no way. What? Oh, no. School is super expensive here. And let's not talk about international students. So if, let's say a community college, if a community, if a U.S. citizen is paying $900 and I'm an international student will be paying like $4,000. It's not even twice this amount. This is like triple if like that is so much wow. co- compare the difference between nine hundred dollars and four thousand dollars and it's the same thing like even if i decide to go to another state i'll pay out of state tuition you know it's expensive but the good thing is you have student loan but this i think it's a bad way for a young person who has a career to start out their life in debt like i mean school is really really expensive like it's one of those it's an investment so it's one of those things that you want to sit have a conversation with yourself and you know you draw up a whole financial budget sometimes when i think about it i get really stressed up and i sit and i make my calculation like i'm going to go crazy But that's a good thing about Sweden. That's one thing I really appreciate here. Education is very important and it's free mm-hmm. in Sweden. Mm-hmm. In Sweden, don't, even in university, you don't pay school. You only buy school. Like you don't pay. And I don't know. And then we get like, um, we get, I think, $600, $500, $600 from the States as a payment for school. And if you, if you, want, to, if you want to borrow loan, you can get an extra $500 on top of that. But the first 500 is free every month. Mm. All the students get that for free every month. So if you're living at home with your parents, you even get the chance to save money from the government. Yeah. Like for me, I took a bit of loan because I didn't live at home. But if I lived mm. at home, I wouldn't get loan at all right, because I moved to another city. And then for international students, I, knew, I know it was free in Sweden. And then for like a short period of time, I think they started taking a little bit of fee, but it was really nothing noticeable. Nothing. Like limit a bit of like everybody just coming in, mm-hmm. and I think I tried to remove it. But when I was growing up, it was free in Sweden for international and national students. Mm. So school is very. That's why I just wanted to study. Study. I'm like, oh my god, it's free to study in this country. Let me just study before they change their. Rules. <laughs> 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 yeah, but in Sweden, we have a very high tax rate. Like they tax, they tax us like 30 to 35 percent of our paycheck, but. We never complain why because we see where the money goes. We really mm. keep the money goes. Certain things are so much cheaper. Apartments are cheaper. So many things are so much much cheaper because we're paying like high taxes. I think I should. Reconsider. <laughs> I think I should reconsider moving to Sweden. <laughs> because this year yeah, is the I, I had the American dream, and then I went to America for three months, and I saw how everyone. I was like, take me back to my country. The American dream, I feel like it's just a marketing technique that we Mm. just sell to people. But uh, what do you think about our music industry in Cameroon? Oh my God, that's the A question. (laughs) Where can I start? What do you mean? I mean, in terms of growth, let me just narrow the question. Do you have any favorite people that you're like, okay, I would like to work with this person. I would not mind DJing. (laughs) I've always had a, I've always liked Mr. Leo. I don't know mm. why. I just love his voice. I love his music. But then I feel like the Cameroonian industry music just became like Afrobeat. Everything just sound monotone. And we don't know how to promote each other. Cameroonian music industry don't know how to promote. I'm sorry, but 
Nigerians promote each other, Americans promote each other, but Cameroonian are the people that I've seen that do not promote each other. What do you how, mean? How can you, for example, like promotion is that you give me, I give you. How I've noticed that I, because I follow a few artists and I play mm-hmm. their music. When, I was, when I'm a DJ, I try to like, I even like when I have young artists who have not uh, made it yet, they send me their music and I say, yes, of course, I'll play it. And I'll play when there's a lot of crowd dancing and I'll send a video to them. That's promotion. We mm-hmm. have to help each other. But then you see this Cameroonian, this Cameroonian artist uh, on Facebook, on Instagram and Facebook. I see how their fans, for example, will like record their music dancing and they will put the video up, but they will not tag the fan. The fan. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I get you. you put somebody's video up, but you're not tagging the person. The person is promoting you on their page, but you're putting them on your page and you don't want to tag them. Mm. So what's the you. point? And also you. I've seen that there's so much beef in our... <laughs> this person is fighting with this person this person is fighting. it's just tiring i don't really know me that industry that well but i'm i've been following better things for a long time and it's mm-hmm. really to just see how it works there <laughs> we just need to promote each other more promote mcs promote djs promote like just you give me i give you like you don't have to pay me to play your music but if i play your music and you see me playing your music promote me too so that will give me courage to play your music even more yeah i i, I don't i mean I don't know what to say about that. But I mean, I have a few artists that I like. I'm a hardcore Jovi fan, mostly for his production. I really like like his artistic nature when I listen to the... Because I'm more of a beats and instrumental person. Yeah, so when I hear all of those things that he's doing, and one of the key things that I like about him, which I think is really smart, is he does a lot of repetition, which I feel like it's like me count doing my time stable, like I'm counting one to ten every day. So he has this thing where he does in his music where he repeats either a particular line or repeats a particular beat. So it's kind of gets stuck with people, and that's why I feel like everybody goes crazy. But I like Jovi, I like Rennie's. And then, I love it. like she looks so humble. I love Daphne. I, for me, like pers- your personality has to go with the music too. You know, mm-hmm. like I like cocky people. I'm sorry, your music can be really good, but if you're cocky, it kind of put a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know why. I just I think personality has to go with what you're doing for me. I mean, you understand? What I mean? Yeah. And a person like Jove, like he, ha- I'm not gonna lie. My my partner loves him. I love his music. Like I can- sometimes he sings it so much, he gets stuck in my head. But- <laughs> Jovi is also an old, one of the old school artists that I've noticed attacks a lot of people. I don't understand mm-hmm. why like, he attacks other. You're an old school person. You're supposed to be the person who is encouraging the youth, but you're always fighting with somebody. Come on, everybody else can't be the problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, sorry. That's it, just how it is. It kind of put a bad taste in my mouth when the person is that. Like, it means. Right. Yeah, it put a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> I feel you for that. I feel you for that. But um, at the same time, sometimes I just feel that as fans, we have to learn how to... Uh, on this personality honestly has too much but i think that sometimes we have to learn how to separate you know the artists you know from their music and everything but i, I know that jovi does a lot <laughs> sometimes we're like well that's jovi he has a rubbish character <laughs> we're going to do with that you know i understand the whole separate the art from the artist but it, let me take the r kelly thing for example it's mm-hmm. really hard for to pray the art from somebody raping kids it's, mm. it's i can't can't i can't I, you know i grew up bumping to our kelly and sometimes even i was once in the club one of the play i was going down and i remember oh shit i'm like oh shit this is okay i gotta stop whining i gotta stop whining you understand what i mean because he's an art his art is just so beautiful his art is mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. i mean 
it's hard to separate come on we cannot say separate it. somebody cannot be bumping our kelly and then we're remembering all the small girls that have been peed uh-huh. on you understand what i mean mm. that's what Thing. sometimes for me your personality has to match it or not the music might be really sweet but it'd be hard for me you know it'd be hard for me to really enjoy yeah. when i know that you I, mean, I think that's you know all part of branding and influencing because at the end of the day you are this um celebrity who has been looked up to you know you have influence whether people realize it or not that certain actions that you 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 carry out certain words that you say are going to be repeated by other people because they have put you in this high essence so sometimes you have that responsibility you know for somebody in in the light like that you know to act right but i mean i have other artists such as you know olga i don't know if you know olga no i'm i have to confess i don't really know like a lot of like underground artists I I well i'll not what well, they're not mainstream per se but you know it's for a particular kind of people who listen to a particular kind of music so it's not like you know just like you said the whole afrobeat they have their own sort of vibe and and i'm like that i'm constantly researching I'm like i'm looking for people who look like me who sound like me <laughs> where i can easily you know really you said you mentioned that you follow better things and i don't know if you saw this post where this the minister of art and culture wants to be censoring the kind of information they put on what do you think about it for me that's that's um, killing the the that's killing the artists i don't imagine too much problems i don't know why they are focusing on something like that when we have so many other problems in that country what why would why even you know, Why? the first time I saw it, I was like, we have a Ministry of Arts and Culture that's actually functional. Why are they coming into place just now? <laughs> it's a way to make money. Because if I put out my money, my, my music out there, and they're like, no, we don't like it, and I give them $150,000, they will accept my music. It's that's another true. way to just get money out of people's pocket, and I think it's stupid. They just need to leave art alone, because that's really one of the few things we have left in Cameroon right now. Leave it alone. They have seen that industry is growing. Like the the movie industry in Cameroon has started growing a bit. Mm-hmm. The music industry has started growing. Our artists are going out of country doing uh, concerts. That this was not happening ten years ago. Like not in the same way. So they are seeing how it's growing. So they are trying to find any way. That's how it is. When something grows in Cameroon, they try to find a way to make money off it. And that's mm. what they're trying to do, to leave it alone. Mm. Okay. I mean, for somebody like you who left Cameroon very young, like, do you feel Cameroonian enough or not Cameroonian? Like, what does it mean for you? What does it mean to be Cameroonian for you? I don't know. Like, I definitely am all from my roots. Like, I, I do not hesitate where i come from i know i'm black i know i'm african i know i'm cameroonian um but i also know that i'm influenced by the european culture because this is where i grew up i am thankful to grow up here too because it got me to get take the good here and the good from cameroon and bring mm-hmm. it together from one so i call myself afro swede that which mm. means afro swedish you know mm-hmm. but that's where i'm from i'm, I'm cameroonian born grew, i grew up but i grew up in sweden so I don't know what it means to be Cameroon, but I am a proud, like, I'm a proud black girl. I'm a proud Cameroonian. I'm a proud girl born in Cameroon. But like you say, it's been such a long time since I was there. So I don't even know what, I don't know how to explain, somebody to explain a Cameroonian. 
Mm. I don't I would say. But if somebody asks me when well, no matter all country have their problems, all country have their corruption, all country have their sickness, but Cameroon also have its loveliness, the food, oh, the yes. people growing up running outside when it was raining, we run naked and we rock mud on our body and hope the rain wash it out. You know, all of those memories. Mm-hmm. I see how that's memory that only Cameroon has given to me. Yeah. So that's... yeah, I'm definitely a Cameroonian student. <laughs> Okay, now you recently became a mother to a beautiful baby. Oh my God, your daughter is so sweet. <laughs> and she looks so much like you. But I feel like she's a perfect combination of you. Oh, you, look, you are the first person to say she looks like me. My cousin saw her and she went, Iman. Like, you just went and said the father's name, like, Randy. And- <laughs> oh my God. Her father. <laughs> I mean, I feel like she's a perfect combination of you both in a way. But <laughs> <makes me> happy. <laughs> yes, it, but it, sometimes I see you, sometimes I see the dad. But um, what is motherhood teaching you? Oh my God. <laughs> have you ever been in love with a man before? <laughs> I have. Just compare that times one million. Oh wow. When you have a baby, it's a whole different love mm. sometimes i cannot even breathe just look at sometimes i cannot <laughs> because like i need to just watch her be okay like mm. so i go crazy just thinking of how crazy the world is and then i look at my baby and i just it's, it's a whole different kind of it's like your heart mm-hmm. is literally out of your chest walking around you you know like that's how i can i can just explain it she's my heart and it's like out of my chest and i can see my heart standing there and staring at me you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's the most amazing thing that ever happened to me and i'll do i'll do anything for her mm. and how are you embracing this journey and finding a balance like since it, because of the quarantine and corona i haven't been able to dj so that's actually been a good and a bad it's good because i'm spending so much time with her i was like oh i was telling my my partner i was like oh i'm going to start djing again at this time this time and then i got contact they're like can you come and dj i'm like no i can't leave my baby <laughs> and i know that summers are usually busy but this is a different kind of one due to covid how's that working out for you i mean you already mentioned the fact that you put a note quarantine per se but how's it working it's really hard because like it's nature's first year in sweden you get offered so many things you get like play date at the hospital with other moms and kids Mm -hmm. baby massages you know there's so many things that they offer you for free here in sweden that is a bit sad that nature can't be a part of on her her first year as a baby you know Mm -hmm. she she barely sees other babies like she see them on on the screen the screen I'm chatting with my friend who has a baby who is exactly the same age as Naturi too. So, so she doesn't really have that uh, physical contact with other children, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it sad because you need to be with other children to evolve in a certain way, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's like that's like mostly what makes me sad. For me, quarantine is not so hard because I'm a person, like you say, I'm a people person. But me and my partner also are the kind of people who don't mind being alone and just mm-hmm. watching our people. If people like you want to do this, we, we we really enjoy each other's company. Good. We never. <laughs> side of each other so it doesn't really affect us that much it's just that we want to be able to go out but also i have to understand not to i don't want i'm not a selfish person i understand that there are people dying there are people who are dying because of this and it could hit home so mm-hmm. i have to we have to be respectful we have to be careful so that somebody's grandma doesn't die somebody's sister doesn't die somebody's brother doesn't die you understand what i mean 
Mm, yeah, uh, we're almost rounding up this conversation. I just want to say thank you very much for being this receptive. I'm really grateful, and your energy is amazing. <laughs> and I cannot wait for your translated version because I'm definitely I read a lot of books, so I'm definitely going to read it and do a review about it. But I had like a few more questions. What? How do you define love? Oh my God! How do I define love? I think love is being able to like compromise mm -hmm. with some like there's different type of love if we're talking about love to a partner is being able to meet in the middle being able to understand that this person has flaws and but asking myself if i can i live with the flaws or not if i can live with the flaws then i have to accept that this person has flaws also being able to communicate is very important to be able to talk communication is where respect comes in so for me yeah, that's. <laughs> and what about faith? And I'm not just talking like in a religious aspect. Like everybody, some people call it the universe. Some people attribute it to energies. Like, what is faith to you? Faith to me is being like uh, being able to tell yourself that it can happen, but don't just sit there and waiting for it to happen. But looking for the signs. Mm. I believe that if I if if I want a job, I cannot just sit and say God, the the job will land. I would say that God is giving me the energy to apply for the job. Do you understand uh, the difference? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get you. <laughs> and what's the one thing you've learned about yourself or that you continue to learn about yourself? What I've learned about myself is that I'm, I might be a very strong-headed person, but I'm also, <laughs> yeah, I'm very strong-headed. I, but I'm also open. I'm also a person who is very open for critique. I'm very encouraging. I love to encourage. If you do something right, that's how my boss, my boss describes me. So I'm one of the people like, if you do something right, I really highlight what you're doing so that you, you understand, you know, you can get that feeling to continue doing what you're doing. So I'm a very encouraging person, but also, like I said, I'm strong headed, but I'm also one person who is always open to listening to the other side. I don't just listen to reply. Mm. I listen to understand what you're trying to say to me. Mm. <laughs> and then do you have any mantra or quotes you live by? Oh, mantra or quote I live by? I know this sounds so cheesy, but I always say you only live once. You <laughs> only have one life on this earth. Don't let nobody else like tell you how to live it. Honestly, the more I grow up, the more I realize that it's so true. When you because you see people will tell you these things and they are living lives for themselves and you're there, you know, just sitting in your own corner and we have just one life, honestly. And that doesn't mean go and go crazy. It just exactly. means that remember to control your life. Don't let other people influence you. You know, when you come to a certain age, don't don't let people like uh, what can I say? If somebody called me ugly tomorrow, it's not gonna make me cry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for example <laughs> because that's your opinion but yeah. a younger person of you would have probably cried <laughs> do you understand what I, mean? I get what you're saying <laughs> anyways we've come to the end of this conversation i'm just so grateful that you were here with me and i yes, wish you an amazing time with your family you guys stay safe and oh i'll probably visit sweden next year maybe just i'll just let us know we have apartment you don't need a hotel just let us know <laughs> okay thank you very much kisses to naturi and her dad absolutely 
here everyone as we've come to the end of this episode you can find Halex on instagram at Halexberry, and i'm also glad to announce that we are on other platforms such as spotify and apple Podcasts. please don't forget to read and review and until next week i'm your host leslie mia